0: Thanks a lot for agreeing to do this.
1: Looking forward to the chat. Hi, Avril. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. I hope I don't spill the beans on things that I don't should, like, shouldn't be doing on.
0: <laughs> awesome. Uh, so, David, you started with this new question with our guests. Uh, so, you are the second person to experiment with it. Um, There's a question that Peter Thiel asks a lot of people in his interviews. Uh, which I particularly like. What is one truth that you believe in, which very few people agree with you on?
1: Um, I think uh, people think that fulfillment comes from, uh, like uh, in general, like from achieving your milestones. I think fulfillment comes from progressing towards achieving your milestones. Hmm.
0: And how have you um, used that in, your entrepreneurial career, or in general, has that helped
1: you a lot? Yes, I think uh, that's definitely something that has helped me in general. Um, so there has been phases before my entrepreneurial career where I struggled a bit to understand what's going wrong in terms of feeling fulfilled, and mm-hmm. uh, that's where kind of gradually I try started articulating this and understood this. But I think very few people would agree that it's just the progress that makes them fulfilled not right. uh, actually making it to the goal
0: understand no that's that's awesome like journey more important than the goals and i think the way you put it is quite interesting because that itself is what fulfills you you're not even looking at the milestones um so awesome so Deepit you've uh, built a very interesting org called in shorts um but we'd love to start with uh, going back to the beginning uh can you talk a little bit about early days um, any experiences that shaped you um, any ideas that you've gained which probably helped you become an entrepreneur um, maybe you'd love to
1: start with that definitely Aviral I think um, I, I always think uh, this is a this is a thing that I use always that all companies are are basically product of its times so um, I think that is something that um, uh, kind of has uh, always been a root kind of uh, for me. So uh, it's very very important that an entrepreneurial uh, entrepreneur tries to channelize what its time is wanting to kind of wanting the entrepreneur to channelize. Otherwise, the the business will never be a success. As people right. say that the biggest important single determinant of success of an entrepreneurial venture is the time, right? So mm-hmm. whether you have timed the market, but there is no way to really time the market by logically analyzing it, right? There is, mm-hmm. you can analyze the market trends, you can build a team by reaching out to people, you can sell stories, make people convinced, but if the, if the market is not ready for your idea at, at the moment, you, right. you you won't be successful. So I think uh, very, very early uh, when we started, uh, so I was in college uh, and uh, me and my co-founder Azhar, we were school friends. Uh, we mm-hmm. were in different colleges. He was in IIT Delhi. I was in IIT Kharagpur. Uh, both of, you, so both of us, uh, both of us did our schooling in Delhi. Uh, we actually knew each other not from the school, but from our coaching institution, which were okay. the more important schools, I would say, at right. that point of time. Yeah. Right. So we, I think we are in a dual schooling kind of a right. ecosystem <laughs> at the moment. So yeah. So 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 that's where I met him, and um, incidentally, we scored the same marks in IITJ, uh, wow. <laughs> which is okay. a very big coincidence. Yeah. I uh, yeah. So, yeah, so after that, so we were, when, once we were in our respective colleges, um, we were trying to, we used to talk a lot about what's, what, what are the interesting problems. So problem solving was very, very core to us. We used to discuss problem solving a lot, like whether it was talking about algorithms or what's been taught, taught in our algo courses or uh, what, uh, what's being built out there what are the products that are being built out there and uh, all, also some academic really academic problems um so all of that was part of our discussion so from there i think uh very early on we felt that the startup ecosystem at that point of time this is 2009 to 12 that we are talking about there was nothing that there were some early successes happening at that point of time flip Flipkart was just about to come uh right. It was raising its series B somewhere around that time. And uh, so it was informing the people uh, in the college campuses, uh, people like us who were students that, okay, this is also a very interesting path to follow. And and yeah, we wanted to jump right in because... uh, somehow we were already experimenting with multiple ideas and we tried out a couple of uh, projects before shorts as well and those didn't succeed. And the biggest learning and that point of time pre shorts was, uh, so we were building this product for one year before even like talking to the customers. So all the YC content that's very, very widely available today that talk to your users, don't miss talking to your users. We learned that the hard way. We actually (laughs) spent a year just building a product. And uh, once we hit the market, we understood that we were not really building a product business, we were building, we we were catering to a services oriented market. So Mm -hmm. there was no way we could have built one right product that could have scaled the market. So yeah, so that was a big learning which kind of shaped a lot of how we did in shorts like being very very frugal and very very uh, mindful in terms of how can we test things very very quickly and uh, uh, in a very very lean way yeah so the lean thinking part came from our mistakes before even we launched in shorts
0: got it and uh, what was these uh, you know what were these mistakes that you made if you can talk about the early product, which helped you get some customer insights. I know a lot of uh, entrepreneurs today, they're able to even raise pre-product, they're able to raise pre-plan, they're able to raise pre-company even, right? Yeah. Um, so it's a very different paradigm and you know, you're, I think you're talking about 2012-13. Uh, yeah. right? So can you talk about those mistakes a little more, um, how did that help you, um, what was the product, what were the insights? um you know just for learning
1: yeah so this is uh, the the product that we worked on before in shots right okay Got no, it? i'm just asking, asking yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. This, this, yeah so so yeah so the main mistake i think was that uh we although we were close to the problem uh the product that we were trying to build was uh basically we saw that uh most notice boards in college campuses are very very physical and the process to get onto the notice board put up posters etc was also very very physical which was so unintuitive to me as a user As a consumer, because everything was already being digital. So why 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 did Facebook groups not already solve this problem? Like why did so there were lots of digital options available? Reddit was there, there were some other platforms also. People had digital access, but still this notice board use case was not hadn't migrated to the kind of the the digital space. So that is the problem we started looking at. That how can we build a kind of network of uh, public boards in a way which is kind of moderated and controlled by the the institution that is supposed to have authority on it in an offline world as well uh when we started building this product uh, we were just thinking from the consumer's standpoint that how would consumers would like to kind of consume these boards or these notice boards or whatever but we missed out a key stakeholder in that uh, development process was the person who's supposed to authorize uh, uh the kind of what things will be posted on the board and what things won't be because it cannot be like a true public space where anybody and everybody can come and post things because that could lead to a lot of uh, shit being posted on those boards. There so you. Uh, so yeah so we miss, missed out that stakeholder completely uh, and we only started getting how that stakeholder thinks about this use case when we started kind of selling the product that we'd already built for a year and we thought nice. that we had created this really awesome product you know everything. <laughs> and then we understood that the stakeholders are actually universities and their admins and those people haven't even had a good website, and they they were saying, "Yeah, ha, ye to tumne acha banana hai, but hamare liye tum ERP bhi banana do, hamare liye tum ye bhi banana do, hamare tum wo bhi banana do." So they were much behind in terms of uh, digital transformation to even think of a product like this as a SaaS platform. So, uh, so yeah, so I think that was a big mistake, like missing out on that stakeholder and how that stakeholder thinks completely in designing the product and even thinking about the success of that product. I understand.
0: So you basically build this product. You're like, yeah, this will work. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, no, that, that, that's awesome. And so, GTM,
1: um, so, in a way, in a way, in today's language, G T M that we missed out on.
0: Right, correct. Very, very early G T M. And um, I think the other thing that's interesting is you were already hacking together stuff. Right, you mentioned by yeah. the, in their form they asked you about have you hacked stuff together before? Uh, yeah. I think this was an example of you already like figuring out you wanted to build something. Um, can you talk us through how this transitioned into insurance um it's a very scary proposition to start a company right um yeah. especially if you want to very good colleges you have amazing options you give that up when you start a company so can you talk about that journey and the thought process there uh, was it easy was it hard what helped you um make that up yeah
1: yeah, yeah. so I- interestingly all uh, uh, obviously starting up as a proposition itself at any stage of life is hard uh, but there are two more Aspects to it that I'd like to highlight. Uh, one is that I think uh, people from uh, premium colleges uh, like IITs have a very very soft landing already laid out for them. Right. So uh, so I personally think that the risk appetite of a person who's graduating from IIT uh, mm-hmm. is highest when they have just graduated from IIT. Right. So, uh, so that's one thing that I truly believe risk. in. I, I think people won't agree with me on this, but risk appetite will only decrease with time, all in or increase with the wealth that you'll have uh, yeah. after graduating from IIT. So, this may be your
0: big deal answer too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, secondly, but the second part is uh, the uh, the kind of risk appetite or the hardness of the problem increases exponentially if you are trying to start up before graduating so okay. <laughs> so, so uh, especially because um, or so it, it might be easier to start up say just after one year of job right because mm-hmm. you have done whatever your parents expect you to do you've scored a good paying salary job etc and then you saying okay i'll meet my own cost i've saved enough now I'll, i'm going to go and start something live on frugal hostel room kind of situation and build something like right? you take on that risk complete risk on yourself but when you are talking about starting up just before graduating you know all of that has not not panned out the goals that your parents have kind of set out for you and are expecting from you while uh, that you'll complete your IT degrees you'll get a job probably go to some other countries, be subject to brain drain and whatever. Uh, they So it's very, very aspirational for them. Right at the cusp of the moment, if you announce to them, see, I don't want to complete my degree, right? Or I want to take a year sabbatical or because I want to start up, that seems very, very crazy to them. And it's right. just not the kind of thinking that they have kind of uh, lived. Uh, that, that's not the ecosystem that they have lived. They have not seen, they have seen that some uncle, chacha, auntie, business never done a business, failed. They have heard most stories of failures of businesses. Right. Uh, and here I'm talking about like starting a business, starting a startup and talk, giving examples of like people in the Silicon Valley. They feel that we are being like, Uh, talking about some rosy picture which doesn't really exist in reality and perhaps at that time it didn't, right? So Mm -hmm. there were uh, far and very few unicorns in India, very few great successes but the way I think uh, uh, we kind of uh, were able to negotiate all of that was that uh, we asked we made the right asks. So first we made the ask to our parents that give us a year. Our colleges allow us to go back and like do our degrees in case this fails. So Setting, setting a very small ask versus setting a big ask is always easier so we set a very small ask ek saal de do. Ek saal mein agar work out hoa, to we'll come back right uh so ek saal mein what happened uh, that kind of shaped us so we got term sheets from uh, some early accelerators that time directly accessing angel funding pro- for college kids was not really possible so uh, we got some accelerator term sheets which was great validation one of them was uh, 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 T Labs, which was the Times Internet Accelerator, we were trying to build something in the content kind of space, uh, and uh, so yeah, validation from them seemed like this is worth a shot, and uh, that kind of convinced that thing, like that kind of uh, shaped way for more things to happen down the year.
0: No, that's that's amazing how you like laid it out. You also called it a negotiation. I'm sure a lot of founders have done this, but you know. You, they've never articulated it so well how you laid it out that we set small goals rather than saying hey i'm going to start a company and everything's now in complete chaos you're like uh, give us a year let us try if it works if it doesn't so i think the, that that's quite fascinating it's a it's a very good playbook to use as well if you are a founder who is very convinced on the idea but your parents are not and in, i think not only india but mostly in asia parents want more safe paths at least safe in you know their heads because they've grown up in scarcity they've not seen these outsized outcomes um it's a very useful framework so lovely and um how, when does this become in shorts and what was that trigger moment
1: yes so um so just before uh, we announced that we won't be uh, we want to take a year so it was 2013 uh, the vacation time basically uh, mm-hmm. march to june uh, mm-hmm. is when uh, we started kind of working on the insurance problem the core mm-hmm. insight Uh, was somehow uh, it came from uh, our earlier product that we were building, the notice board problem, where we had said that we'll have summaries for each notice that's been posted on the platform. We'll have a summary of 60 words uh, for each notice that is going to go on that board. Uh, And while thinking of kind of seeding that platform, because initially there won't be any content on on, on those boards, we thought that we'll have news posted on that platform. And with 60 word summary, so that there is some hook for every user to kind of come and see that. notice board So that kind of triggered this idea that in uh, uh, so Azhar kind of came to me, यार ये, ये तो independently Hmm. Right? And we said, okay, yeah, that's interesting. Let's try this out. And uh, so that's how we said, okay, let's quickly launch a website. So we didn't even launch a website. The first thing we launched was a Facebook page where we were just giving uh, 60 word summaries on the, on the, on the news stories. And, uh, uh, and yeah, so that's how the, and we got, I think 3,000, 4,000 likes within the first few weeks, pretty much organically. Most of our college started subscribe. Each other's colleges started subscribing at least in our batches and we started getting customer feedback. So in shorts, as we know today is synonymous with a mobile application, right? Interestingly, we didn't even start with a mobile application. First, oh, wow. we started with a Facebook page. Then we launched a website. <laughs> Facebook then some, MVP. Yes. <laughs> Facebook was our MVP, right? So, obviously, it can't be done so easily today. Right. It was a different time in terms of internet consumption. But yeah, it worked. Then we launched our website. Then someone came to us with a... Uh, feedback, uh, one of my June college juniors, he was uh, same from my department in computer science, he said, uh, why don't you build an Android application? And if you want, mm-hmm. I can help you build it also, you know? <laughs> and we said, okay, let's try this out. And soon after we launched the Android application, the Uh, the numbers were pretty clear. Like the repeat usage that the Android application was getting was much higher than the repeat usage our website used to get. And we were able to retain customers. So that clearly uh, told us that mobile application is the way to go. And that kind of gave us more and more uh, organic traction for a while till we were able to get our term sheet from T-Labs and some other actually. And interestingly, we were doing only kind of 10 stories a day at that point of time. It's a
2: perfect point to transition into our topic for for this week's episode, which is reimagining content consumption, and um, you know, you, you spoke a lot about why you wanted to build something in the space and and how it sort of evolved. Uh, Ten stories a day. Can you tell us a bit about how, how how did that work and how that's changed? Right. So, was it someone reading through the stories and coming up with those summaries of sixty words? Uh, how did you scale that with tech?
1: Yeah. So, uh, interestingly, on the content piece, there's one thing that I'd like to highlight before going into this. So. Uh, one core insight that we were kind of building uh, all our uh, kind of experiments with uh, even the previous product and in shorts was that the information space in general the information consumption space in general in the market was uh, very very uh, limited to innovations that were coming out of the valley and Uh, We fundamentally thought that the market and the information consumption behavior is very, very different for India and Indian customers as compared to what you would think uh, or what you would imagine how the value would consume information online.
2: That's really interesting. I mean, that's not obvious to me at all. Um, Can you give us... You have some examples yes. of how behavior is
1: different? yes, yes, definitely. So, um, so the uh, the biggest example is uh, something that we know today, obviously, we didn't know then, but uh, uh was that uh, people today in general, like India is one of the only large mobile first internet consuming economies in the world, right? So, uh, just the fact that people will get access to internet primarily on mobile phone is a very, very different paradigm altogether as compared to uh, what's, what was in the valley, like in the, in the valley, people had already started using personal computers. Most people worth uh, the advertiser's money or worth uh, pursuing for subscription revenue were already people who had desktops and were using emails on desktops and probably subscribing to newsletters on desktops and had a homepage on desktops. So uh, their information consumption behavior was very, very different as compared to uh, people at that point in time in India, who mostly, even if they had computers, used to switch on computers when they actually needed to print something, probably. (laughs) Or, uh, and when most people didn't have computers as well, right, it was restricted to school laboratories and things like that. So, uh, so the the whole internet consuming paradigm was very different. Like, I remember that, uh, even in my childhood, I had to go to a, a internet cafe or a cyber cafe to kind of just do a Google search, like just for my summer project, right. So that was the ecosystem that we lived in. While most of my peers in the value or in the US or in the UK wouldn't have gone through that same thing, right? Everybody was using Google at home, most probably. So uh, so the access to information on the internet was very, very different. And uh, what the needs are were very, very different. So, uh, for example, when it, when I come to the proposition of in short, which is short form 60 words news or content in general, uh, just the fact that English is not our native language, and the fact that we uh, we have it's a it's a learned language. We don't talk to like most of us don't talk to our parents or uh, in our homes in English, right? It's a mixed English Hindi kind of language, right? So just that fact influences psychologically to us that we would want to, whenever we are reading, we would want to read short things. And if we want to read, read something longer, we need to be really interested in it. If you are not interested in something, we really don't have the patience to read something long, which won't be something that uh, a general English educated or English native language person would have the behavior to do. They would be okay reading something longer, even if they are not interested. It's more cognitive Uh, effort
2: to read in English. Yes, yes,
1: yes. yes. That's not the language that we think in, or in which we talk to. So our success of InShorts in India is very much related to the fact that it's an Indian insight that people, newspapers used to be kept around in our common rooms, in our colleges. And when we, but we saw that people used to just go and skim the headlines, right? And uh, if they were interested, they just read one paragraph. But, so that's, that's the scenario in one of the most premium colleges in the country. So I'm sure that there, so that's kind of something that gave us that insight that, okay, if our peer group doesn't want to really read news in the long form, then probably there is a lot more out there who want to do the same. It was sort
2: of a latent insight that like you you'd seen this in college, you knew about it, but yeah, yes. how you translated that into uh, fascinating. Yeah. And, and now thanks a lot for that, that background. Now, if you can tell us a bit more about the actual process and how it works, how do you come up with, the, with those summaries?
1: Yeah. so uh, as obviously like uh, having that MVP mindset, we were both uh, so me, Azhar and our third co-founder Anune, all three of us were computer science, maths and computing kind of students mm-hmm. and uh, and we knew that summarization as a uh, as a technical field was existed and there is automatic summarization that we can do uh, up to a level, uh, but to test the, out the MVP it would have taken some bit of effort to kind of do that. So we yeah. thought let, let's just go for manual summaries, right?
2: So, uh, uh, so three computer first, science graduates doing manual summaries of articles. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: So uh, so it was mostly me and Azhar who were doing the manual summaries and we asked Adune that why don't you keep building the platform and uh, uh, go ahead and implement the Android application and all of that. In the meantime, there were lots of debates internally that how much can summarization, uh, what is the state of art of summarization? And we really wanted to understand that what is the state of art here? Is it even possible to do this level of manual summarization or sorry automatic summarization so we really reached out to researchers in our field like uh, we talked to professors who were working in natural language processing in our respective institutes we reached out to researchers who were working on this in Caltech in in, uh, other places in Silicon Valley who are at the cutting edge of this problem of the summarization problem and we figured out that uh, there are two types of summarization one is extractive one is abstractive so extractive summarization what is uh, was done pretty well what it does is it just picks out some phrases from an article and showcases it to you looking for keywords is, yeah keywords it's just some phrases so when mm-hmm. you read that it's just it's okay to give you a hint about what's the what the article is but it doesn't make you feel complete that you really understood or uh, comprehended what this article is trying to say the meaning yeah, level yeah, stuff yeah. is missing in that uh, And and abstractive summarization is something that can achieve it but there was nothing uh, the state of art in abstracted summarization is still behind. Like we are nine years into this business. It's still not solvable. So uh, so that is something that gave us that, okay, if we want to build this business, the only way to scale this would be at least hybrid. There will be some parts which can be automated, but there will be always a manual oversight that is needed in this process. So that's how we started building this.
2: And which is you know just incredible. And so so I want to talk a bit more about that and understand how exactly that hybrid model works. And also, of yeah. course, I want to then talk a bit about recommendations and how you kind of do some of that. But but starting off with, with this hybrid model, um, you know, you started off with doing everything totally manually. I'm assuming that, well, you know, how, how did you scale it? <laughs> how did you yeah, make it
1: work? Yeah. Yeah. So initially, I think one one counterintuitive insight that we relied on was that people think that uh, for scaling the user base of a platform like InShorts, you need to scale the content Uh, proportionally which is not true Uh, and which is which was a really which is which was a really counterintuitive insight that we got really early that even with uh, say a 50 stories on the platform we were able to get our retentions very very high on the product we didn't need to have hundreds or thousands of stories on the platform to have retention high and the reason was That the short form USP for the the product that you'll give short form content is enough for a large enough uh, chunk of users to kind of uh, come to the platform and get an overview of what's happening in the day. And that's all they want. They don't want anything more. So if you are able to satisfy their needs that, okay, this is the overview of what, what's happened today. This is the overview in business. This is the overview in entertainment. This is the overview in sports. They are okay with it. They don't. They, they just want to keep coming to the platform every day just for this. And which is the kind of core insight that we kind of leveraged a lot on. Uh, uh, so uh, from the scaling process, uh, what we did was that obviously uh, we built our own internal kind of... We started building very early on our own internal kind of uh, CRM uh, uh, for... Uh, kind of managing the content process. So we haven't okay. still implemented any external CRM. Our entire backend of uh, the content engine is internally built. So uh, this
2: is to recommend content for you to yes, write. Yes, 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 yes.
1: So we have a lot of, uh, we have partner content sources, which kind of feeds into that system uh, that, uh, that kind of automatically recommend and kind of create a phrase wise summary for each article and what category it is in and everything. And then there is a lot of manual oversight Uh, in the manual oversight. Also, uh, we do this, we follow this 80, 20 kind of principle that 20% articles are going to get you 80% of the views. So make sure those 20% articles are written with very, very high copy of the uh, quality of copy, basically, Uh, and that kind of helps us manage this hybrid model. So uh, for every decision that manually needs to be made, there is technologically data available for that decision to be accurate. So every decision that is made manually, whether it's image selection or headline wording or uh, or uh, choosing an article, everything is data driven that, okay, these are the five headlines that is being used by our different partner sources. This is the headline that works really well. This is uh, that's getting the most traction. Then this is what needs to be kind of put in, and things like that. So uh, similarly for images and everything.
2: So that's AB test on headlines, images. Yes. Okay. And then that's yes. how you kind of. So- Yes, but all of this
1: intelligence got
2: built in gradually in the backend platform. Course, so it's yeah, as like, it evolved, and you you kind of yeah. yeah. So so today, when you release an article, you'll have how many versions of the headline and the the image do you, you test out typically?
1: So in general, it's uh uh in general, it's because of the uh, body of knowledge that's already been created over so many years, uh we don't have to test out in a lot of cases. So in new scenarios, where for example, in COVID nineteen, right? So it was a completely new content category that. Uh, So there, there we needed to do a lot of A/B tests that, okay, what is working, how are people relating to uh, COVID-19, do people, uh, for example, on the images, do people respond more to animated image of the virus, or do people uh, respond to an image of the Ministry of Health and Family Welfare? What do they respond to, right? What kind of gets them going in terms of consuming this article? So all
2: of that had to be done. Interesting. So over time, the people are doing the manual review process has sort of developed an an instinct yes, that you right. rely on that they know yes. this is going to work what what is it yeah there is have another cost as well right like i mean you kind of yeah, yeah uh, so no so we, so we we'll, we
1: built a very very low cost uh, way of kind of cost and in terms of the audience, of your audience
2: right if you think one's already worse if you show it to them you're going to yes, have yes. a bunch of people seeing if you already know up front that's obviously better um, yes, yes. so that's interesting so you ab test when it's newer stuff when you don't know how people react and then that's when you want yeah. to... Um, yeah. um and now but i'm sure this was an insight that you kind of reached to um through through some journey but you launched a a, a video app called public can you yes. talk us through some of the insights behind this and and what what made you decide to go in that direction
1: yeah so um so ra- around 2017 ish uh inshorts started becoming a profitable business so we start we were on the verge of profitability in fact inshorts today is a 50% ebitda profitable business and uh, it's scaling uh, it's scaling well and growing uh, growing very very from strength to strength uh, so uh, right at the cusp of profitability, we started thinking: where do we start deploying that extra cash that we have available, and uh, what is what is it that we want to? Uh, what is the direction that we want to head from here? And uh, the big insight there was that uh so in in shorts has been a primarily english product uh most of the consumers on in shorts are english speaking and the english language dominates that product completely so um so the thought process was that how do we make sure that the large audience the large internet audience that's been created in the Indian market uh, because of cheap data prices, the coming of Jio into the market and uh, the the vernacular or the Bharat audience that's been kind of growing uh, very, very exponentially. What is the kind of information needs for this audience? So that was one of the first question that we were asking. When we were asking this question, two answers or the two factors that would influence the answer was very, very obvious to us right at the beginning. One was that... <clears throat> this audience wanted uh and obviously these uh, obvious answers also came to us through various experiments that we ran internally across uh, multiple products that we tested uh that people were wanting to consume video content much more than uh textual content amongst the bharat audience so the audience for video content in the bharat audience was much 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 larger as compared to textual content number one the second uh insight was that uh those people don't really kind of care about, uh, in terms of information needs, they don't really care about whether RBI report rate is being decreased or not. But they would they would care about something which is an after effect of that, that whether they will be ac- get, able to get access to a loan if they need it in their nearest bank, or whether it's going to increase fuel prices for them, right? Whether it's going to uh, make it harder for them to access employment opportunities, or whether it's going to uh, make cost of living higher in their localities. So tying this back
2: to your process, you needed sort of a different CRM recommendation engine for, uh, for this audience.
1: Yeah. So uh, we were not even thinking of the CRM at that moment. We were even we were just thinking about the right product for this audience. Yeah. How do so, you still? yeah so so we started thinking that okay what is the right product for this audience and that's how uh, we tested multiple products and the right product came in the form of public so what public is uh, as follows so public is basically a hyper local social media platform uh, wherein uh, in people themselves uh, people who are local influencers or have Access to information and knowledge, or local news or updates for the local uh, uh, kind of community can post uh, videos about those events, updates information yes. news on the platform and the local people can consume it. So it was a completely platform approach. Uh, uh,
2: so there was no curation of content there, nothing, it was no. just no. peer-to-peer, okay.
1: Okay. Yes, it's completely peer-to-peer PugC kind of platform and uh, people post content, people source content and people just post it on the platform automatically. Uh, and uh, when we're talking about hyperlocal, uh, it's important to kind of uh, get into the nuances of what hyperlocal really means. India yeah. has about uh, 800 districts in India. Each district has about 15 urban centers and roughly 50 to 60 percent of India's population lives in these urban centers. Even people who are so-called living in rural areas I get, come to their nearest urban center to access basic facilities like the large market or the large hospital mm-hmm. or things like right. that. Right. So sure. India has about 2.5 lakh uh, gram panchayats but every of those gram panchayats is kind of linked to one of these urban centers or has a nearby urban center there or the nodal urban center that yeah. they kind of travel to to buy seeds to buy things like that to get transport or anything major in all yeah. the major economic activity happens in these urban centers So, uh, so the way we kind of built this business was that okay eventual vision is to have content at the gram panchayat level, but maybe internet access there is still uh, weak, and people are not consuming internet there. But at least in the urban centers, people are consuming internet. And these urban centers including their rural kind of extended networks usually have a population of about 100-150k. So Uh, each one is pretty big.
2: Market of it in its own. Yes. It so, it. Yeah. So
1: yeah. So how do we how do we kind of and there is no public space kind of platform uh, for these audiences uh, to get updates about their urban centers, right? So yeah. that's where public kind of fits right in. So even local administration or the local DMs or even uh, presidents of market associations or the influential doctors and lawyers and all of these people kind of get onto the platform, build build their profiles they, uh, kind of, uh, distribute information and kind of, uh, communicate with their audiences and vice versa. So, so this sort of a public, uh, public space kind of platform didn't exist, uh, for this audience. And this ties back right, uh, right back into our initial insight while beginning in shorts that information use cases, uh, in India are going to be very, very different as compared to what's being built in the valley. And interestingly, public, Uh, The kind of uh, opportunity that we went after ensures the kind of opportunity went after are unique uh, platforms or unique ways of building consumer tech products that's not been built anywhere in the world. So uh, most of uh, Indian startups, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, but usually have kind of copied business models from what what's been successful abroad but that's not been the case with us because uh the first principles thinking that we were going after is that information use cases needs to be built on insights that are come from India. whether these will be able to go global is something that we'll have to still test out <laughs> but, but, but yeah so but it's actually working and being successful in India. Yeah. so public uh we launched in 2019 and 2020 we were unfortunately um at the right place at the right time. Why I say unfortunate is because COVID-19 was a really unfortunate period for most people in the country uh, but public scaled really well at that point of time. Uh, people needed local information and there was no, no platform that could serve them the local information except public. So people uh, really lapped up the proposition of public to get local updates to so grew exponentially in the uh, two, three years of COVID. Um, yeah,
2: unfortunate times, but I mean, providing a service that was obviously really needed. But would like to talk a bit more about, you know, launching this time versus the first time with InShots, because obviously, the way you think about it, the scale, the resources you have very different, right? Um, yes. So, so how, what was your approach here? I mean, it obviously wasn't an MVP approach. Did you start with like one one area? Did you pick multiple? How did you? you know, yes.
1: Go? So, you know, so exactly how you said. So, we launched with areas where uh, our internal team who work with us were close to. Like people come. There are. So my co-founder he comes from a very very small uh, district in Bihar, Kishan uh, Kishanganj. Uh, our another senior leader uh, uh, Naroda, who is the CEO of the CEO of the company, he comes from a place called Bikaner in Rajasthan. And, uh, there are many others in the team who come from very, very smaller towns. who who kind of would relate to this problem really well because they know people, their parents or their relatives who would be consumers of this product. So we actually launched in these very, very specific locations where we had someone very, very local available in the team. And uh, that's how we started building. So we built our playbook in one district, two districts, three districts, and then kind of scaled uh, gradually. Uh,
2: makes sense and then uh, you know the other question when when you ask about scale is of course hiring and, and how do you think about the culture of the company and how has that changed as the company has grown? Um, so if you can share some insights on that. Uh,
1: um. So in general we've been a very very uh, lean company in terms of hiring. We have never overhired uh, in our journey. And um, uh, so even today, we are running two platforms with more than 100 million kind of uh, downloads or users who have used us uh, even once. And uh, we have uh, a 30 member kind of tech team. And that also has been scaled. Probably uh, almost more than hundred percent in just last couple of years. So when the when the two products were being built, we built it with tech teams which are probably around ten people in size. So we have been always very very lean in terms of uh, in terms of our team building. Obviously now we are in general uh, almost a thousand member team across across products and across functions. Uh, but mostly uh, that scale has happened in the operations part of the business because obviously there is so much content that's being uh, produced on the platform created on the platform so much so many creators that are active on the platform to manage them to kind of have touch points with them is a is a very very uh, operating kind of exercise and that's what uh, needed the team scaling but uh, apart from those functions most of the team is pretty, pretty
2: lean so lean team consists in your scaled specific areas makes a lot yes. of sense and, and how would you describe the, the culture of the company? Um,
1: um, so culture is a very, very like kind of... Um, I know, sorry, I, I hate asking awesome
2: it. But I, was, <laughs> I have to, right? I think yeah. we learn a lot from how people describe it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh, I, I'll just give you some general observations. In general, uh, the culture in the company is uh, of... One thing was that we believe in lean thinking uh, because of whatever we've learned over the past, number one. Second is, I think one thing that we believe in uh, really strongly, as opposed to what we have seen in general, the ecosystem believes in, is uh, is the fact that people uh, in general throw people at a problem uh, and expect outcomes. Uh, we don't do that. Like mm-hmm. uh, We really try to be picky on the problems that we want to pick. So we wouldn't want to solve like 10 problems at a time will want to solve, so it's also kind of tied to that lean thinking thing. But I think that's uh, also something that drives outcomes, uh, because Absolutely. when you're not throwing uh, people at the problems, uh, you are able to take ownership of outcomes and actually deliver outcomes rather than uh, just expecting that something will work. No, I that's
2: yeah, that, that, that that's a really good way to think about it. Um, I appreciate that. And and one more question, you know, I mean, we're talking about content in India. I think I have to ask this. Uh, A lot of people say that monetizing content in India is hard. Uh, You know, do you think this is going to change? Do you think content creators can make a living out of creating content? Um, And do you think insurance has a role to play in in any of it? Um, So I think um,
1: there is no one size fits all answer here, because there are lots of things that are feeding into this this kind of uh, judgment. So for example, if I talk about monetizing content in general, right? Um, So... If you talk about um, general journalistic-oriented platforms or journalistic-oriented uh, content uh, products, uh, a lot of them, I think, will be able to monetize and scale via the newsletter subscription kind of revenue model. Uh, but it won't be a unicorn. They won't. They are not going after unicorn opportunities or billion-dollar opportunities, and they won't be billion-dollar opportunities. Which is something that uh, we should be able to live with, right? Like not every business opportunity or everything that you do uh, has to become like a $100 million revenue opportunity, right? So I do think that newsletters can make money, but it will be at a smaller scale. And if you are kind of um, if you're building your business model in a way that you can make money in that smaller scale of uh, revenues you will be able to survive growth thrive in fact. and uh, there are lots of examples of such uh, companies in India as well as well as abroad right uh, when it comes to creators um, I think uh, one thing that we are underestimating is going to soon kick in in the creator economy is that large creators will will make a lot of money right because they are kind of competing with publishers. Uh, in a way, for audience, uh, uh, audience access in a way. So most advertisers will think of uh, comparing, say, a Virat Kohli while advertising to the followers of Virat Kohli versus, uh, say, a content channel on YouTube or uh, or or on Instagram, right? So they will actually make that comparison between an individual and a platform almost on a ROI comparable basis that if I put X amount of money here, how many customers are, am I going to get? What is the brand of lift I'm, I'm, I'm going to get? Similarly, if I put this money in this content platform or this channel or this organization, what is the brand of I'm going to get? So large creators are in the running for them for applying this money. What is happening is that because of this uh, really um, promise of becoming a large creator, uh, which is becoming harder and harder as views are saturating on Instagram. It, Instagram is not going to get infinite views, right? It's going to have a cap on the number of ins- users they are going to have. It's going to have a cap on how much time people are spending on Instagram, right? What is it? What What more can they do kind of to get more of your timeshare or my timeshare on the platform, right? So uh, what will happen is that copycat uh, kind of uh, content that floats around on uh, on Instagram and creators also thinking that, okay, my one video goes viral and I'll, I'm going to have these many followers and then I'm going to build on that. That problem is going to become harder and harder from here, right? It's going to be a more and more uphill journey and most content creators won't be able to succeed in that journey. Uh, and that is when Um, I think people's expectations of financial outcomes from becoming a creator will start getting affected because no one is going to give you enough money to kind of uh, survive or pay your bills if you have 5,000, 10,000 followers on Instagram. When there are other Influencers who are probably have 500,000 or a million followers who are getting access to that same audience, right? So paying the bills will be much easier for the larger creators. So the smaller creators will will kind of get weeded out unless they start innovating on the type of content they start doing, which is very very unique and exclusive. So I expect most of the platforms to have more diversity of content and more diversity of content creators, and that's the only ways they start making money. And most content creators. Will have to have a decent amount of scale to kind of make money. Uh, apart from that, I think uh, in advertise, Indian audiences don't pay for quality content in general. But th- those trends are changing. It's still very very early, uh, but I hope that that trend changes going forward. But it's, currently, it's really hard.
0: <clears throat> and Deepak, you know, just to close off on this, um, attention spans are reducing. They keep reducing. I actually think that. People have always had lower attention spans. Honestly, we are just using tech to hack it. Um, How does that change the way content creation is happening when you have to compete um, with TikTok or Instagram? I know InShorts uh, is more focused on knowledge and text, but um, you're obviously competing for attention versus these other more micro content apps. How do you see that? Affecting you? How do you see the landscape changing? Uh, any views on that?
1: Yeah, so I think um, on the internet, especially on the consumer tech side, uh, the ultimate competition is the competition for time share and attention. Right. So, uh, so people have limited time on the internet. People are going to use most of it probably doing work because they have to earn money. Uh, apart from that, people are going to. Have their allocation of time in the way they choose want to choose it. Most people don't want to choose so much, so entertainment and whatever entertains them uh, is going to kind of win win the timeshare kind of uh, market. But having said that, uh, the what is the really key factor here is that uh, the shorter attention span also creates opportunities for uh, people like uh, for companies like inshots, right? Right. So. Uh, uh, So the the expectation of users from what the internet ecosystem is going to, what the the value that the internet ecosystem is going to add in their lives is not key uh, I'm just going to be entertained, right? Whenever right. I'm open, I'm miraculous time pass over. That's not what right. people are expecting, right? right? Probably 50% of the time they are expecting that. But they have they have those same needs that existed in the offline world, right? Like yeah. people used to buy newspapers and probably used to find their time in the loo to kind of read those newspapers, right? right. So it's not that this, uh, this uh, seeking of knowledge didn't exist or seeking of information didn't exist in the offline world. And the same behavior is going to exist in the online world as well. If we are able to build products that kind of uh, are good uh, for the mobile platform or the mobile access. For example, say uh, if you are just commuting from one floor to the other floor in your building. Right, uh, that is a that is a micro unit of time that the offline world or the offline information space was never able to kind of Mm -hmm. penetrate. Internet gives you that access that okay, this three minutes, what is the person going to choose to do? And if and there we are in the running, right? Like in short, person can open in shorts, right? Because for entertainment, they will have those longer hours at the end of the day to kind of watch Netflix and long-form content, movies, whatever, right? But in these short Use cases, those short occasions of internet usage. Uh, information is a very, very strong kind of uh, proposition as compared to anything entertainment.
0: I understand. And so, taking this forward, what's next for uh, you guys?
1: Yeah. So, uh, for us, uh, obviously, right now, uh, our focus is on monetizing the public. Uh, platform because on the user side we've scaled really really big and in general our dna has been to be very very laser focused on pnl monetization profitability in fact we would be one of the most unique companies that way uh that uh, so there are two levers that uh, i don't know like it, it may be uh, me just posting about the company but we think two, two, two things make us really unique one is we've always built products that are unique Across the world, so and we made them successful. We've not copied business models from elsewhere. Second right. thing is we've actually, uh, in terms of success, we will actually cracked profitability models mm-hmm. on the internet space, which is something that very few startups can actually chest uh, uh, thump about. So, right. uh, uh, so on the same same laser focus, we have still we still have internally for public also. We are scaling our revenues really 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 well, and. Uh, on the, on the other side, we are kind of exploring other opportunities. We keep testing a lot of uh, products internally, uh, always. So our experimental machinery keeps going on and on. And uh, there are lots of use cases that can be handled. Uh, one, one, lever- one kind of thing that we eventually want to test is whether in shorts a public has a global audience and nice. uh, it will be a really proud moment for all, all kind of Indian startup people. If we can actually take a consumer tech brand abroad and see right. an Indian brand being used across, uh, across the world. Uh, but it's, it's still a little bit far, uh, we need to win the India market before kind of, uh, taking those leaps. So I think it's, we are in for a longer journey, uh, but we want to build, uh, build it in a sustainable way. So profit oriented and. Uh, always revenue focused at the same time focusing on first principles in terms of consumer insights I
0: understand no awesome and to close out um, what's one piece of unfiltered feedback you've received in your journey as a founder or um, yeah, you've just been a founder all along so uh, what's one piece of unfiltered feedback you've received as founder
1: one piece of unfiltered feedback would be it's uh, not always uh, good to be diplomatic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not always good to be diplomatic. Sometimes it's really important to cut cut the frills and just uh, be a direct shooter. So I think that's the feedback that I've received. Awesome.
0: Thanks a lot, Deepith. Uh, really enjoyed our chat. Yes.
1: Uh, thanks. Uh, AJVC is something that I really kind of uh, look up to in general Thank as a consumer and uh, happy to be here.
2: Thank you so much for tuning in to Founders Unfiltered. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Join us next week for another episode of AJVC Unfiltered, where we talk about our latest
1: piece